pass notes via text. Hey, Facebook, how are you? <laughs> uh, I, 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 I'm, hopefully the audio is good enough. I forgot to bring uh, to hook up the microphones. Um, well, you know what? I can try to do that real quick. I brought them. I just didn't plug them in. We are uh, recording the Faith Debate tonight, so you're getting a sneak peek of what's going to be airing on the radio uh, during, during the month of May. You're going to lose my audio here in a minute when I plug this in. Um, the shows that we record tonight are actually going to air, I believe, the five Sundays in May, if I'm not mistaken. we got a potpourri of subjects tonight. Sometimes we, we talk about one issue or two issues over the course of many shows. This time we're going to be tackling multiple issues over many shows. So, see if I can get this lined up. Come on, that's too high. Sorry, Facebook, you're jumbling your camera. Should have left well enough alone with the microphone. Is that on? Yeah, that's on. All right, I think we're still in. I think that'll work. All right, let me put this over here. And I don't have my headphones. Let me I'll just try to do it without headphones. I don't have time. We'll see how it goes. There's a set of headphones to your left. If you want to. Oh, well, that'll work. Try those. What would I do without you? <laughs> You'd probably be just fine. Here we go. <laughs> we got started earlier. Here we go. Uh, music, <laughs> music. If we weren't here, you'd have nobody to talk to, so you would start over. That's earlier. true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> Welcome to the Faith Debate on News Radio 930 WFMD and on the FM at 99.9 HD2. Online all around the world, so I'm told, at uh, www.wfmd.com. Uh, we really appreciate you spending part of your Sunday morning with us uh, each and every week, hopefully. Or maybe it's just this one time. Well, welcome to the show if this is your first time. I'm Troy Skinner. I'm the pastor of a local house church called Household of Faith in Christ. We have a website, householdoffaithinchrist.com, if you'd like to check us out and connect with all of our social media and blogs and videos and even the faith debate and stuff. It's all uh, either archived directly there or linked from there to all the places where it's archived. And I'm joined by our regular esteemed panel now. These guys are also pastors of of local house churches. we got the Razvis, Imran and Daniel. They're with a house church that I think they uh, kind of informally go by the church that meets at Imran's, uh, Imran's house uh, up in like the Thurmont area. And um, on the south end of the county, uh, there's the Forsey Church. Uh, David Forsey is the pastor there. Yeah. And I've known these gentlemen uh, on and off for a number of years. I've come to trust them and respect them wildly and uh, hopefully... As you listen to the show, you will will share my esteem for them. So, we got a whole bunch of things we were talking about before we actually got started here in, in today's show that we might end up bringing in, but I want to actually introduce what the planned topic was because I feel like it might interweave and connect with some of the things we talked about. So, today's topic has to do with statues. Should they be canceled? Should they have even ever been erected? What's the Bible say? So cancel culture, you know, those on the conservative side call them like the woke mob, and they're tearing down statues of Christopher Columbus or Thomas Jefferson or that sort of thing, and people who on the political right get outraged. And so I wanted to frame this. Uh, we can talk about the woke stuff. 
because that connects a part of what we were talking about earlier. And mm -hmm. cancel culture, we were talking about that a little bit too and how that even a show like ours is at risk because we're truth tellers here and the truth tends to get canceled. <laughs> so we do have those concerns on occasion, but you know, we tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. So should it... What if these were, I'm going to ask it this way and then get the pastoral uh, input. If these were statues of some sort of, like, satanically influenced, like a statue of Adolf Hitler, <laughs> would we be upset if somebody tore that down? And secondly, I don't care if it's like, you know, who's the best person you can think of uh, in our American... Benedict Arnold? Benedict Arnold? <laughs> <laughs> It's interesting, Benedict Arnold. Like Benedict Arnold's the best we can think of. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually funny you mentioned Benedict Arnold. We, we, I was traveling up with my family in uh, New England, and they have a statue in, uh, is it uh, Vermont, I think, of Benedict Arnold's leg. A statue of his leg. A statue of his leg, because he lost his leg in uh, in the war, oh my God. fighting for the the the, uh, the That's Americans. That's a little too macabre. No, 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 no. But, but there's a reason, right? He lost his leg in the war, fighting for the Americans, and then later he turned traitor. And so they wanted to remember when he was not a traitor, and the only part of him that they were sure was not a traitor was the leg he had lost. That's still, so made That's still rather macabre. So anyway, so do you understand kind of what I'm asking here? Is, is there biblical sanction? for tearing down these things. Mm -hmm. And let's even go back in time before when these things were erected. Was was it biblically appropriate to yes. put them up? So there, to, yes, both? to both? There's a couple things that come to mind uh, biblically. One is, um, you know, monument. It, it's God instructs Israel to set up monuments at certain times. Right. You know, yep. that there, there are things that... Uh, so, so I, I, I sort of maybe I, I sort of think of statues in that sense, right? Like the point of a statue is so that you remember uh, a person, you know, or or and or an maybe, event, yeah, or, and you know, maybe the events surrounding um, that, you know. So I, I think there can be, um, and so the, you know, and you might set up memorials to remember both good things that happened and also uh, bad things that happened. It's good to remember history in its in its fullness um but you know i i think i think probably these you know the statue should represent but but you know again all all characters are uh there's there's no uh there's no good character that didn't have any bad you know attributes of some kind or another other than the people in this room of course <laughs> So you know, so the so the point of of setting up a, a memorial, you know, is really to remember something very specific, right? You know, not necessarily everything about that person, and that, that's why it really depends on the context of what what the intent is with the statue, right? And and you know, when the Bible talks about it, the Bible, the God plays out the scenario. He says, "Put this monument up to remember, so that." generations from now when your kids walk by and they see that and they say daddy what's that about you can tell him and you're going to tell him this and then he tells them what to tell them right 
um, a lot. There, we see that with the Passover when you do the Passover, which is not a monument, but that's an example of time God says, okay. But there was another one. I guess the monument was the stones in the Jordan, right? Mm-hmm. Put twelve stones on yeah. top of each other so that your children will ask you, and then you can tell them what happened. There's other passages that says, don't make a graven image. I think that's talking about when you worship it. So certainly people can fall in love with and worship the statues and have them as their gods, and that would be a time to tear them down. So there are commandments to tear down those types of statues. Now, I do understand. I mean, it's, it's clear. Anybody who's read the Bible knows that there are monuments and there are you know, God-sanctioned, uh, uh, ordained even, you know, monuments. But I'm... Going off the top of my head, so maybe I have a blind spot, and if I do, you guys will fill in the blank. Can you think of any instance anywhere in Scripture where someone erected a monument that was a statue of a person where it went well? Mm. Because we talked about the monuments that were piling up the stones, or this place itself is a monument. We're going to change the name, give it a name, so we, every time we come by this place, we remember it. So there are monuments. I, so I don't know that we have we have any reason to discount the importance of a monument. The temple itself, as it was built, was a bit of a monument. Uh, but I can't think of a time when there was a statue of a person where it ended up being blessed, being a good thing. Well, so, there, aren't, there aren't many instances um, you know, I mean, if I, it's especially, you know, never works out well when someone builds a statue of themselves, right? Those right. are, those are the, the <laughs> main the examples. Oh, that's that right. I you have been to my house, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are the main things that I can think of in, you know. Right. In, uh, but that's the different thing you know, than somebody later dedicating a statue to their memory of that person. But again, to, is it to the person or is it to, the, to certain accomplishments or events that happened, right? You, you have the example of the statue of the uh, flag at Iwo Jima, right? There's like six people or seven people in that image, and we probably know who all those people are, but I venture to say none of you guys know their names, and uh, you couldn't be faulted for not knowing their names because that's not even the point. The point of, is to remember the victory in that battle, not the specific men who lifted that flag at the, you know, okay, at the moment so, of victory. Okay, so with that in mind, and I do want to, there's so many things going through my head, but I'm going to try to exercise some discipline. So yeah, they're, they're, those are statues. That's a statue that has people in it, and we, but we don't know who the people are. But what about you go to the MLK uh, down in D.C. and they've got like the, it's carved out of marble or granite or whatever it is, the the, the big image of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah. Um, we know who he is, and it kind of looks sort of like yeah, we should honor and respect and maybe even revere this individual that's got this way larger than life statue basically carved out of the stone is that is that biblically appropriate and i'm not trying to pick on mlk any of the or lincoln i mean he's sitting on a big throne yeah lincoln yeah. exactly lincoln sitting on the big throne yeah, yeah. on uh, so there, there's an argument jefferson there's an argument i've heard made that some of those statues particularly the lincoln and the jefferson memorials are romanesque. Uh, very romanesque very much like a temple um and yeah. you actually are feeling like you're worshiping when you go there in um, and, and so that is that's maybe more to extreme. And so context, I think, does matter. Like compare that with the Washington Monument, which is just a big, giant white stick, or the Vietnam. Yeah, but the Washington Monument is a wall with a bunch of names on it. That's World di- War Two Memorial. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. but that's I think different. I don't think 
It is. I mean, the Washington Monument is very much like Nebuchadnezzar's image of gold, which was actually very much like an obelisk. It was so many, so many times taller than it was wide, right? And it was just a stick. That one was just a stick also. And it says, it, you know, here's, here's what, what you should uh, bow down to and worship this. So I don't think it needs to be shaped like a person for it to become an idol. And that's always the danger whenever you have any monument. But um, I think you can walk by and see the, the hmm. memorial and the plaque and say, this is what you're supposed to remember when you see this. What does this remind you of? Okay, this is a person. Okay, he looks like a, a dude. What did this dude do? And then read the plaque and say, oh, okay, we're remembering that he fought in this battle or he did, uh, in, started this, had this scientific discovery or whatever. And that's what we're remembering. Oh, see a picture? Oh, that's cool. He looked like that. So okay. here's another thing. And, and I, if we could, I want to get some uh, some comments on Mike from Imran, uh, if possible. So you don't have to react to my comment here in a second, but whatever your thoughts you have so far, I'd like you to jump in. But I do want to say this first. Okay, I, I asked the question or put forward the observation that I can't think of anything in the Bible where there's a statue of a person. Let me change that. I can't now... And you just triggered this, Daniel, so thank you. I can't now think of a time where it's God-honoring to have any sort of a memorial that's not directing our focus to God in the Bible. So even though the Washington Monument is just a big white stick, uh, it's drawing attention to George Washington. It's not drawing attention to God. I mean, some would argue there's, there's Bible verses on it and stuff like that, right? But that's not the main takeaway when you look at the Washington uh, Monument. So is is that a biblical thing for us to have done? So on that note, really, literally anything that creates a sense of awe or worship that is not towards God is unbiblical. Um, in the Lincoln Memorial, there's uh, plenty of statements in, that uh, Lincoln himself said that God allowed me this, this, or God did this, or under God's mercy we had this. So there were several instances that he's pointed to God. Um, in, in the Washington Monument, as you said, there's some Bible verses on there and things like that. And his testimony really was godly. I mean, he was, uh, the Indians were known to say that he was the one that cannot be killed because they shot at him and they had, he had holes through his robe but not, no injuries on several occasions. So I think all these memorials are important because if we don't have them, we tend to forget. Even a memorial statues of slaves. I would love to see that, not because I revere slaves or I want slaves or, you know, I think slavery was good, but that actually is right in your face. This is what slavery was, and this country had that, and we should take a minute and think about that and, and really be able to have that conversation with our children, because if we can't, and that's what's happening with this cancel culture, you can't have conversations about anything, because if you have a conversation, even about something that was in the past that you may disagree with or you don't like, it's, it's not acceptable anymore. So I think everything we should do should have memorial, but it should be focused on God and how what the godly outcome would be. So even with slavery, if we can turn that and say, hey, this was not a godly thing, how the slaves were treated. This was not, you know, we say this country was built on, on godly principles, but with the slavery, that negates a lot of it. So how do we fix that? How do we go forward? If we don't know the past, we can't really go forward. And what the cancel culture is doing is eliminating the past and changing it completely. I mean, I wasn't. Uh, I think even Obama said that the uh, um, the Indians from India uh, helped build this country. I don't remember people Hindus coming for, uh, and building this country, but that, I remember that statement. It's like, what is he talking about? You know. So you can change and make up history when there is nothing to remind you of the true history. 
So that, uh, that gives us a great opportunity to segue and pivot into something that Daniel, at the, toward the beginning of this show, when he said yes. So let me, one of the uh, applications of that yes was there are times when it's appropriate to tear down. Uh, so what would be some examples where it's appropriate to take that down? Would Saddam Hussein's uh, statue toppling in Iraq be an example? Or, or if I wanted to channel my inner H.W. Uh, Bush, uh, I'd say Saddam. Who's <laughs> Hussein? Uh, is that an example? Or if there was a st statue of uh, of Hitler up that we could tear that down? Or there's all sorts of iconic stuff up about Lenin and Stalin and Russia. Should those be torn down? Or, context or? is still important, right? So all through the Bible, there are actually commands to tear down statues and monuments. And that's when they're being worshipped as an idol. That's the example of a time to, to tear it down. Um, all, all through the, the the kings and chronicles, you have examples of you know a godly king coming up and tearing down the statues and the high places and the altars and all the different things. Um, but those are all worship places. Yeah, these these are the places of worship. These are the places of spiritual significance and things. So yes, I think it makes sense to tear down a statue to Krishna or to uh, and Buddha or whatever. Yeah, tear tear those down. Those are what people are worshiping. I think something worth considering is to. <clears throat> um, is is that everyone will worship something, and so in the absence of God, that that gets replaced. Um, and I do think that um, that America does tend to have a problem with with worshiping itself, sort of in a in a general way. American society, um, uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of pride. Are you referencing the selfie society that we have today? Uh, <clears throat> Are you talking about like the jingoistic nationalist tendency that a lot of people have? Is that what you mean? Yeah, I I think uh, I think there are many um, Americans who call themselves Christian but are uh, American first, and they worship probably their their freedom, you know that that right. they have or the um, like they'll say for God and country, but they actually. In practice, it's the flip, right? It's countries on top and God is second. <laughs> Correct, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you would say that about a lot of patriots. A lot of the patriots these days are really nationalists. They, they, they're after this country to be, and they say that we want to go back to our godly roots and things. But that word they use, Christian, it doesn't mean what they think it means. You know, <laughs> taking that... Uh, we're going to want... We, fortunately, we have a little bit of time. So we're going to want to... Because we, uh, given the radio station that we're on, you know the last two minutes of this show has some blood pressure rising, <laughs> right? Because this is a lot of uh, what passes for conservative content is on this radio station. A lot of uh, people that would identify as patriots and they're being very proud of America. So I think it's going to be important for us to help. We want people to be proud of where they live and their culture and their heritage and uh, think the best and root the best for what we're all about. So we're not dismissing that. But this is, I think, a real good pastoral moment for us as a group to help that contingent, anybody who thinks that way that's listening right now, to understand how do I navigate that? Because I do count myself a Christian. I do count myself a patriot. What's the godly way to... Right. To clarify, it? none of us are globalists, right? So usually the, the, when when we are... And when somebody says, oh, well, I'm not a nationalist, what they mean is that they're a globalist. We're, we're actually, and I think, David, your point is not that you should go be a globalist instead of being a patriot. 
but you should have your priority on God because we're not even of this world in, at all, right? That should be the focus. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think that a, a right, good, um, appropriate love for one's country can only come out of a right understanding of of who God is, who he's made us to be, how he has uh, instructed us to love our neighbor, uh, love our our families, right? And so, um, and so my my concern is that uh, that without a without a right understanding of uh, of God uh, and you know who he is, who he's made us to be as as humans bearing his image, um, that that we will very easily drift into, um, uh, yeah, drift into, uh, idolatry of, of country. And, uh, and then we will not be appropriately, um, or even, I mean, we won't be doing the best things for our country if, uh, you know, if we're forgetting about, um, you know how if we're misaligning our priorities we're going to we're we're actually going to start start messing it up i wonder if this might be helpful uh to you know the listener in this show I mean, as much as it strokes her ego to be on the radio and stuff and there's you know there's probably something to that although i've been on the radio for so many years now that uh it it doesn't quite do that for me the way it once did but there's still something about that but this this show if it's doing its job and I think we're pretty good at doing our job on this show. It's with the listener in mind. We're trying to help people understand what the Bible does and doesn't say, how to apply that and not apply that to your life and situations. And so with that in mind, again, knowing who is most likely to listen to a radio station like this, um, they're going to hear uh, us talk about the cancel culture and tearing down the statues, and they're going, yeah, right on, give it to those lefties, you know, those jerks who hate America, and they're going to be all there with us. But they also, they're putting, if in a weird way, they're putting nationalism, if you will, they're putting country, the secular government, ahead of God. And that's why they're out of alignment. That's why there's such a danger to the fruitfulness of our future as a country. They're, they're, putting, they're putting so much emphasis on, well, we need to have uh, judges who will make decisions based on what we want to see from our leftist perspective. Uh, and we want to elect leftists into office so they'll enact our leftist policies. And, and, uh, and we want the, the institutions to employ only leftist people because then they're going to have influence on the country and transform our culture into something that's very left-oriented. So they have, it's a form of nationalism also. They just have a different vision. And so if you, if you can agree with that, listener, if you can agree with, yeah, that's a problem, the polar opposite of the mirror image, the negative image, like a, using a film term, of that is also a problem. So when we think that the answer is activism, like if only America would stamp out abortion, all our problems would be solved. Now we should stamp out abortion. 
but our mission primarily is honoring God. Now, part of that, flowing from that, would be stamping out abortion. But what all we care about is the activism. Or we need to transform Hollywood or these sorts of, those sort of you know, lash out against Disney. I'm not saying that those are wrong. I'm saying when they're out of priority, you know, we're making the same we. Because everybody in this room would identify as somewhere on the quote-unquote right spectrum of, of life. We would articulate that and define it a little bit differently among ourselves probably. But those who think like us, we got to be careful. We don't make the same mistakes in the reverse that the left is making. Does that make sense? Yeah, to and I, don't, I hear, uh, I mean, if I understand you correctly, also you're, you're not saying that uh, politically that means that, you know, everybody should move to the center. <laughs> but No. But, but what you're saying, and I, you know, well, First of all, I'm, I don't like that term because the Overton window keeps shifting, and so what passes for the center right, is increasingly right, right. left. <laughs> but, but rather, our 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 center as individuals should be God first, and then and right that's, and that's right politics center, will come from that. Right, but that's not center. The problem, right. the problem with yeah. God is it's very much a foundation, and center is something that's shifting. It's based on what people want. One of the things that the left has really figured out, and they figured out this out many, many years ago, is that they cannot change this country and the foundations it was built on and the biblical foundations that it was built on uh, through legislation. So they had to use appointees. They appointed people to, as judges. They appointed people to positions, and they made regulations and changes that, in effect, became like law or had the purpose of law, but were not being passed through Congress. And so the whole purpose of the Constitution where the Congress passes laws, Congress shall, shall be the one that passes laws, is no longer in effect. And so we've had a lot of changes, a lot of shift to the left, not from actual laws that have been passed, but from regulations and from appointees and from judges ruling a certain way because they couldn't get it passed through law. And the conservatives, they just never figured that out. They always wanted to stick with, let's try to pass a law, let's try to pass a law. No, the, the left doesn't care about passing a law. They just want to put some things in place and make people you know, make decisions based on whatever they want. And that's different. Yeah. And that's going to be our final word of wisdom on this week's show. Thank you so much for listening to the faith debate today. Um, if you don't know who Jesus is, let me tell you, he's the guy that rescues you from your guilt because you've got a guilt problem, whether you know it or not. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a great plan for you and all that is true. But absent of Christ, you're not going to fulfill that. And you don't have the strength to do it. But in Christ, by the indwelling of his spirit, you do have the ability to live the life that God intends for you. And ultimately, in glorification, you will have everything and then some you could ever imagine. Uh, thank you to Imran, Daniel, David, I'm Troy. Follow us online at householdoffaithinchrist.com and wfmd.com. Till next week, God bless. Interesting. You saying we have uh, you have a guilt problem. The people who are listening. A couple of decades ago, I would have said that's the case in America, and I think now, because in the West usually we have the guilt and, and innocence paradigm, as opposed to the Eastern honor and shame or the uh, African, you know, uh, fear and power paradigm. But I think it there's a shift happening in the culture and cancel culture and woke culture and stuff 
is actually very much of an honor and shame, but a, a very corrupt version of that. So it's actually not the way they would practice it in the Middle East, but it's a, it's a weird American version of honor and shame combined with a weird version of guilt and innocence. And there's a lot of fear as well. So there's actually a conflation of all three, which um, is very interesting to me. But it's they're all very corrupt versions of that. But uh, well, We are so a melting pot, that. Daniel. So yes. We just... That's or toss salad, depending on who you're talking. <laughs> so we, uh, I think, um, we just yeah, bring all the bad elements possible, together you know, <laughs> when we start falling apart. I think it's actually possible to, to get saved without understanding guilt at all. Uh, you can just understand shame, which some people would say is the same thing, and it's very different. Um, but in the, in the, uh, in the East, yeah. well, you know, they, you preach the Doesn't gospel. a person feel ashamed because... They're guilty nope. of something? Nope. Because they're in a position of shame. They're not honorable. That's why they feel shame. It's a very different thing. you want to take this on the radio, or you want to... <laughs> um, I, it's actually, on the list. I think, that's on the a, list. I think that's on the docket for a show we're going to be doing, um, and not, not too many more recording sessions from now, so we'll, we'll save that. But that's... Right. Yeah, I, was, I, uh, I, mean, I don't know if I would change much of what I said, but I was trying to... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not suggesting in about 15 no, seconds. Oh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, We're not I'm arguing with that at all. I'm not suggesting that you are wrong at all. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, you're correct. You know, we are guilty. Um, it's just depending on who you're talking to, that's what I was just saying. Hey, you know, actually, maybe not everybody can uh, feels guilt on the call, and that doesn't... Yeah, okay. well, that's why I've added whether you know it or not or will admit it or not, because mm -hmm. some people say, well, I'm guilty. I'm not guilty. I have no shame. Yeah. Uh, in your standing before God, you stand judged guilty. Whether you know it or not, you've got a guilt problem. That's kind of the gist of what I was getting. But yeah, I hadn't. There, I probably do need to think in terms of what the cultural shift might be. If there is more of a, because I want to have language that will meet yeah. people where they are. And if if the shame, but the woke culture is very much honor and shame. If you're trying to get more followers on Instagram. That's that's an honor thing, and and the traditional American pastor would say those people are arrogant and prideful, trying to get more followers. That's actually not the right way to reach them. It because it's, it's not about arrogance; it's about honor, and their position of honor in this culture, and uh, as opposed to being shamed and having a whole bunch of dislikes or being canceled or whatever. That's the shame. So it's honor and shame, which is not the same thing as pride, and a lot of times American pastors have a, a, a um, will conflate pride with honor. Hmm. Seeking honor is a godly thing if it's done properly. You can seek honor, hmm. and that can be a very godly thing. But to a Western mind, sometimes when you try to seek honor, it very much looks like you're becoming prideful and arrogant. That's actually not what's well, happening. I think in the Western context it is used, uh, pride, like pride is used in a good sense sort of in that way, like when someone is... Say I'm I'm proud of you, or I am like I no, am but, but proud that, of this certain. That's just thing a different about. definition for the word pride, though. I think I'm talking about like you get somebody, some famous Instagram influencer who has a million followers. You're like, oh, that's such a superficial, arrogant person that just cares about their body and their looks. If they're if they're like a you know a, a um, supermodel, or like they just care about yeah whatever, or they care about. <laughs> you know, their various thing, whatever they're in, you know, influencing whatever their reason they're famous, and they may be a music star or whatever, and oh, they're just arrogant. Arrogant pop star is superficial, mm -hmm. you know, but yes, they they may not be saved. That's 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 correct. But this, there's a difference between pride and arrogance, 
and then just honor and shame uh, as, as far as that paradigm. You're right, the people use that and they say, I'm proud of you, but that's actually a different definition of the word that I'm yeah. All right, using. well, I'm going to anyway. jump into the next yeah. thing. Try to, since we got started a little bit late, I want to try to see if we can still get five in. Well, if we all get high before the next one, then it'll, it'll feel like, because <laughs> isn't that the topic? Yeah. Drugs. strong opinion about this at all. Welcome to the Faith Debate. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday morning with us here at News Radio 930 WFMD. Also on the FM at 99.9 HD2 and on the internet at WFMD.com where you can live stream or you can listen to this show later via podcast. You can connect to that podcast later or the live stream video that we're recording right now. You can check that out later. Or you can, uh, you know, check out other blogs and video content and trusted resources and all that sort of stuff at my church's website. That is householdoffaithinchrist.com, householdoffaithinchrist.com. I'm Troy Skinner and uh, joined by three other pastors, Imran Razvi, Daniel Razvi, and David Forsey. Um, all of us are involved with uh, three different house churches that uh, meet together in Frederick County. And uh, if you'd like to know a little bit more about them, you can find out some information about them through uh, the House of the Faith in Christ website as well, because it's got their pictures and it's got a link to one of the ministries that uh, the Razvies do, uh, Conquered by Love. Uh, they have their own website there. I'll give it a plug, conqueredbylove.org. Um, so you can check that out. So we, I promise you we didn't all do a toke right before the show. So uh, any, any missteps or misstatements we make is purely our own ignorance. It's not because we're under the influence of any th sort of illicit uh, drugs. But that is the topic today. Drugs. Should they be illegal? No. Should they be regulated by the government in any way? No. What does the Bible say? Why do you say no? Do you guys, are you guys echoing his no, by the way? That was, that was Daniel, by the way. He's apparently the druggie in the room. <laughs> He's the lawyer. You, Daniel, That's right, you, he is a you, lawyer. You should, uh, you should define what, what drugs are you talking about. All, any and all. I think that there, there is, so I'll give the political answer and then the, then the biblical basis for it, but no, there is no, in, in, constitutionally for sure, in America, there is absolutely no reason that any drugs or substances should be regulated of any kind. Medicines, drugs, it does not matter. That is not to negate the fact that what one does while under the influence should still be a crime, or if you're giving a substance to someone with an and you knew or you shouldn't, should have known that it would cause X, Y, Z problem, then sure, that's a, that's a crime, and murderers should be killed, and, and, and just like any, anything else. So I'm, I'm in, in favor of very harsh punishments for murder and, and, and things like that. So to take a step back, though... That's a yes, very, politically none, speaking, that's a very libertarian kind of view, right? As opposed to Republican versus Democrat. That's sure. More, that's more the libertarian sure. view. Sure, yeah, I mean, it's not the government's job to... Right. To say what but I can, gonna, I can't do. But you're going to transition from the political to talking about what the Correct. biblical thinking is. So what would that be? So, biblically, the, the Bible commands us to act in a certain way, and so I think that it would be uh, a sin, po quite possibly, 
for a Christian to be doing drugs, depending on what the drug is and, and so on. I mean, if it's a medicine, that's one thing maybe. But if you're recreational drugs we're talking about, right, the doing cocaine not as an ear, eye, and throat doctor might give somebody cocaine to open up their nose pathways, which they do or did at some point in the past in various, uh, various places. But as, as recreationally, right, cocaine, marijuana, whatever, any different um, drugs. The Bible, I guess the best... And, Comparison to that in the Bible, because the Bible doesn't really speak to cocaine or heroin, it talks about wine is probably the closest thing, and it says, and a strong drink, and it does talk about how it's a bad idea to be drunk. And Christians listening to this are probably going to have a wide variety of opinions. Many Christians actually believe it's a sin to drink any alcohol at all, Um, and they would say when they when when you have Jesus drinking wine or you have godly people drinking wine, they just it just means grape juice. So I don't hold that opinion. Um, but regardless, I think, and most Christians would agree that it, it's wrong to be drunk, uh, certainly as a matter of course, or be a drunkard. And I think the same would apply then to any any sort of drug that is going to ham, uh, impair your judgment, just like alcohol does, and in many cases to a greater extent, right? You can have hallucinogenics, which actually open your mind up to some... Uh, very occultish uh, spiritual things, satanic uh, rituals and, and things like that, which I think are very, very ungodly. So, but something can be, and it's, it's certainly if it's involved in witchcraft, and that would be something the government has a position to ban or to stop. If it's just like alcohol, and some would argue that marijuana or tobacco is, is sort of like alcohol. It's addictive. It maybe makes you feel a different way, but it's, it, it's not going to make you hallucinate, right? And they, and I don't know. I've ever done... I'm probably one of the very few people who went to who went to college and didn't do drugs, but um, <laughs> but that's that's my opinion. Biblically, it is certainly don't be drunk, and you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you want to treat it right and treat it. Treat so, it David, are you, uh, you are you agreeing or disagreeing with this uh, stoner advocate over here? I just <laughs> <laughs> um, I think. I think Daniel makes some good points. Um, yeah, it's uh, so so. I, I I'd agree that like the the context that we have, all we have biblically really is, um, you know, is alcohol. That's really the only example that that we have in Scripture of a uh, of a a substance of some kind that, um, you know, can be uh, can be useful and can be harmful. Yeah, directly. Uh, I, I mean, there is, in, in the scripture. Greek, there's you know, pharmakon and pharmakia, which, uh, which is the root for where we get our whole idea of pharmacy and drugs and things. Mm-hmm. So the, which, which has very sorcery connotations and, very, and very witch, a lot of witchcraft yeah, connotations, too. If I'm going off my memory here, which is always, as I get older, I'm not sure I trust it as much. But I think that the context there, when it speaks against, is basically speaking against the sorcery witchcraft use of it it's not necessarily saying don't use this stuff but in that culture it was used in black magic kind of stuff and so that's where the so i i I, i'm just throwing it because we got the little nitpicker theologians who are gonna want to give you a hard time david i'm just sparing you an email yeah pharmacia (laughs) is definitely a word to to, to but i would agree that as far as our usage and abuses of, of different things i think that alcohol probably more specifically Wine, although strong drink, and some people want to translate that as beer. 
uh, it feels like a stretch to try to make that connection, but at, at least alcoholic beverages of some sort are what's at play. So anyway, I just saved. You can save your email. We know the issues, okay? <laughs> We've all read the Bible, at least three quarters of it, all the way through at some point in our life, all right? So leave us alone. So, <laughs> anyway, so Dave, I'm sorry Only I once? cut you off. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I think... I think when it, so so I think we have instructions about you know biblically how how we ought to handle ourselves um, and then when it comes to how to deal with you know the actions of others um, I think Daniel Daniel makes a good point there to say right like there is if someone is choosing to do something that uh, where they are no longer in control of what they do, and then they do things that harm others, they should, you know, and and it's true, you know, if we are if we're consistent about that, um, you know, in 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 that we we punish crimes fittingly and reasonably, um, you know, that 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 would give people a lot more pause, uh, hopefully, before um, partaking of things that will. Uh, you know, make them no longer in control of uh, of their actions. Um, yeah, I think politically, it's you know, it's it's a little bit of a, a more difficult um, thing. I, I I guess I'm thinking, you know, there are uh, you know maybe there are populations that are more more susceptible to or or you know where you have where you have drug dealers or you know cartels, whatever, where people are, you know, seeking to make a profit um, via the addiction of others. Like the FDA, for example? Uh, yes, like the FDA, for example. <laughs> yeah, big, big, big pharma. Big, big right? drug cartels, uh, like Pfizer, Moderna. Yeah, I, I, I do think, you know, that, uh, you know, the motivation of, um, you know, uh, of business solely, money solely by itself. Probably going to get a... We'll, Social media strike for those we'll, comments. Uh, we'll, well, I mean, <laughs> greed, greed will lead people to to do harm to others without, you know, without regard for yeah. the well-being of others. So, yeah, I, to me, this topic, if you're a good Christian, if you care about people, you won't, don't want drugs around, right? That's what it's all about. And that's where people, people will come back and say, hey, aren't you a Christian? Don't you love people? Why would you want them taking drugs and ruining their lives? But that's not what this is about. I mean, God gave us free will. Okay, He wants us to choose Him. But everything is here, and every herb plant is for us, right? So where do you where do you draw the line, and what you, what happens? You just struck a nerve with the free will wants us to choose Him. <laughs> Reformed. Yeah, uh, yeah. I hope that, yeah. <laughs> we'll, well, we'll get to that at some point. Yes, we'll get to show. that. Yeah, <laughs> I think in this context, I think we're all on the same page. There could be a, a, a semantics argument to be had that sure, would lead sure. into a theological debate, but we're not doing that one today. Otherwise, we would not not have any sin, right? If there was no free will, then we would be robots and God would have created us and then we wouldn't have any, any free will at all. But, and, yes, do I want my children doing drugs? No, I don't. But do I think it's the government's job to regulate them? Absolutely not. I think that when you regulate and when you criminalize something... It creates violence and it creates more criminals. Um, just recently, our great governor didn't, didn't uh, sign it, but let the bill pass that you know a ghost gun is now your felon if you 
have created a gun and haven't doesn't have it registered and, and serialized. Well, that's creating a criminal of people that were not criminals. Instead of that, why not enforce the laws of somebody that actually uses something to hurt somebody, make sure they come down hard on that, and not make new laws to make people that are, that are law-abiding citizens. And you know what, Troy? If you want to sit at home and smoke a joint or do cocaine, and that's what makes you happy, and you know, I would certainly like to talk to you about what, why you should find happiness. Notice how he used me as the example there. I'm not sure if I should take that personally. <laughs> as in, you know, you find <laughs> happiness and joy in Christ, and how that could be much more fulfilling and, and a longer-lasting joy than the short term of, of a high. You know, that's my job to help you do that. But you should definitely be held responsible for any actions you do while you're under the influence. So that's where the difference is. I don't think that the 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 government should create more rules to make more criminals. They should enforce the ones that actually hurt somebody. And Daniel, you were really fired up. So go ahead. Yeah, it's just there are there are things in the Bible that that you know going back to the biblical side of it, there are things. It says the government's job is to do that, especially with crime and and, and things, is to punish. But even when it says you shouldn't be getting drunk. There's no prohibitions against buying wine, drinking wine, selling wine, all that, right? So it's not the... There are a few things that you're not supposed to have possession of. One would be idols. We talked about that last week. Uh, but very, uh, all the other things in the crimes are based on actions and thoughts. What do you do with various things, right? So that, you know, we mentioned the gun thing. It's not having the gun. It's what you do with the gun, right? You could be... You could kill somebody that... In self-defense, you could kill somebody as a murderer, and that those are two very different things. Same thing with wine. You can have the wine. You can drink it for Passover. You can or you drink, can waterboard somebody with it. <laughs> yeah, you don't even need wine for that, right? You can so, use anything. You can right? use anything. And yeah. if somebody wants to damage their body, they can damage their body without a drug. There's plenty of other ways to do that, right? So I mean, I joked after the horrible thing at the parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin... It's all we've all forgotten. But on the heels of the Rittenhouse uh, thing, mm-hmm. like a month later, I don't know if it's directly connected or, or tangentially related, but the time frame fits. And I was joking at the time, like you know, we need more SUV control laws. <laughs> I mean, because you can you can turn anything you want. You can, like to your point, you can use uh, water as a weapon. <laughs> right. And the so. public policy thing for, with drugs is, I, I really do think that. Prohibiting things make more violence. <laughs> that that's what happened with uh, the prohibition of alcohol in the 1920s. Is is it created more violence? People didn't drink less; they drank the same, but now they were uh, there was a lot more violence associated with it. So I don't think um, legalizing drugs is going to make things worse necessarily. I think it could make things better as far as less violent. We should still advocate for people not doing them. So is there a place for? Uh You know, if 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 someone is knowingly uh, giving something to someone, mm-hmm. uh, they know it will do them harm, or they know that that person is going to use it in a way that harms themselves or others. You know, is is there a place for uh, legal? Lawful oh, sure. intervention there. If, if I if I give you um, the keys to my car, and I know that I cut the brake line before I do that, and then you die. I murdered you, right? Right. So that's the same thing. I would say it's the same thing. What's the brake line on, on 
a big bag of cocaine? Like, oh, how do you cut the brake line on a bag of cocaine? Well, if, if, if it right. can be, well, it, 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 so, so that, that has to be litigated. We have to figure that out, right? But I think there certainly is a way that you, you should be able to um, show intent in, in court of what the intent was with that. It's, it, did you know that this was going to be a problem and that it, it's very likely to cause X, Y, and Z to happen? And there's a risk. Now, if X, Y, and Z doesn't happen, then how can you be liable? You know? <laughs> but Yeah, and right now, we have the probably the worst in history of slavery. There's slavery that is more slave, slavery use in this, in this world now than ever time in, in history. People don't even realize it. And most of the slavery is done through drug use and being, getting people, getting especially young people addicted to drugs and, being, and forcing them to do things. So those are crimes. The drugs don't really have anything to do with it. It's the people that are doing that are criminals, and they should be punished as those. They're, they're hurting, harmfully hurting somebody else. And if I want to go someplace and, and buy a bag of cocaine <coughs> and hurt myself, and you know, the person selling cocaine, I, don't, I'm not, I can't hold him liable, just like I can't hold the gun manufacturer liable for if I want to get a gun, a gun and I misplace the gun and somebody uses the gun to, to shoot somebody. It's not the gun manufacturer's responsibility. Uh, so... The crime itself should be punished, and, and you can't make the manufacture or distribution of something a crime. Unless, un, unless that can, that's the only purpose or the main purpose of that manufacture, right? If I'm, if I, if... Like, if, for example, poison gas. Right, so if I'm making, yeah, and there's no purpose to it other than to cause... I mean, like a mustard gas kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you can make a legitimate self-defense reason to have mustard gas, I mean, I, we we talked about this before. You know, I, I, right? It does raise that question, right? Can can, can the can, should Americans be allowed to own bazookas? And most people just on instinct, well, no, who needs a bazooka? But others would say, well, have you seen well, the size say, of our of our government's uh, military? Yeah, we need bazookas. How are we going to defend ourselves against that if they'd want to force their will on us? And so, the people in Ukraine are wishing they had that before. Or in that I forget the name of the city, but in China. It's a city of like 12 million people, and yeah. people are actually wailing because right. they're, they're, they're in lockdown. They can't leave their, their apartments, they're and they're starving, starving to death. I bet you they wish they had a bazooka. <laughs> yeah, there, I mean, there really shouldn't be any limit as far as, uh, you know, constitutionally. Again, we're talking about American Constitution and what, what it really should be there, right? The Second Amendment is for any and all weapons. It has nothing to do with specific kinds. But going back to the Bible, right? I think part of the issue is in our society, we have really softened response to crime and criminal activity and uh, unlawful or sinful activity. And what I mean by that is, is we don't actually punish for crime, which causes people to not view crime as such a big deal, and then they do it more. And so, yes, I would legalize all drugs, but I would actually punish for what the Bible tells us to punish. The Bible says if you murder somebody, the punishment is death. Not 20 years not, later. Yeah, not and not 20 years to wait to die, and certainly not 20 or 30 or 40 years instead of yeah, dying. This might fit. If you mu- rape, uh, rape somebody, you die. If you murder somebody, you die. And there's, there's several th- things that you die for. If you steal something, you don't sit in jail and make the person you stole from pay f- taxes to feed you for the next 10 years. Right. And that's actually you pay them be, back. You become be their slave. That's going to be next week's topic, by the way. So let's Until not then. get okay, too so far we can get to that. down that tangent. But So this, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember the verse, but there is instruction in the uh, Old Testament law that if somebody, uh, you didn't properly uh, fence in your roof, 
and somebody falls off their roof and hurts themselves, that there's a there's a penalty for that. Right. Negligence. But there's, but there's no penalty for not having a fence on your roof. There's only a penalty if you didn't take the necessary precautions and somebody was injured as a result. Exactly. So I think that connects with what you're trying to say with the drug thing. Maybe we should be careful about how these drugs are dispensed, but if you're not careful and everything's fine, okay, well, you didn't really do what you should have done, but there's no punishment because everything worked out fine, no harm, no foul, to use a basketball lingo. But if somebody ODs on a drug you sold them, then you might face some consequence, possibly, right? If they do an investigation, they determine you should have known better, you shouldn't have sold it, and you could be held liable. Is that the gist of your argument? Right. Yeah, I mean, some things are just so dangerous that it, without a lot of care, they shouldn't be. That's the whole reason why you have warning labels on things, and I think sometimes we take them to the too extreme. Um, but Oh, yeah, yeah, the warning labels are, those are ridiculous. Right. Right. They're so ridiculous, nobody even pays attention to the real ones anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. and you got a list of 25 warnings, only one of them is really legitimate, but, but you ignore even that one because the other 24 are so foolish. Like, this is just right. a re ridiculous there's a list. There's a legitimate reason for somebody to own uh, uh, TNT or dynamite. Maybe they're in the demolition business and they want to you know, destroy old buildings to try to uh, be able to tear them down and build new ones. But if you... Walk into say someplace and say, and somebody asks, "Hey, I I need something to be able to you know remove a stump," and then you hand them a stick of dynamite and say, "Yeah, this should be this should do the trick," and you don't explain to them that you know you got to stay back ten, fifteen, hundred yards, two hundred yards when you light it off, and you don't say anything about that. Well, yeah, but what was it your fault that they blew themselves up with that dynamite? Yeah, probably it was your fault. Okay. Right, so I that doesn't like mean you should have a law against selling the dynamite, but the, the, that's the thing is that's the reason we have warning labels on things. I feel like I I understand pretty well your argument, so hopefully, and somebody listening understands where you're coming from, and and uh, Imran, you're echoing much of it, but based on body language and things already said, I feel like David might have some questions or potential pushback or need for clarification. So I want to give you a chance to do that. No, I I don't think so. Um, I misread you. Maybe I'm. I, so, so I, I I think what what I hear Daniel saying is if we um, punished the clear the things that are clearly criminal the way that we ought to that 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 we wouldn't have to that that would do away with the need for all of these other rules and regulations to try and prevent people from hurting themselves or hurting each other or, or things like that. Um, and so I think, I think that's a good point. I think, uh, Daniel, I think you're saying like, right. we, we're not getting at the root of the problem. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, what is the punishment for attempted suicide? Death? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is some places, I think. Actually. <laughs> or has been, or has been at certain points in history. So the best way to successfully kill yourself is to try to kill yourself right, if you get caught. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, and it would have other implications potentially too, because this is because this argument's been around forever in my lifetime anyway. Uh, and things like border crossings, I, <clears throat> right at the southern border, a lot of that problem might go away if you get rid of that whole illegal drug culture. Word, or the right? freebies. If you stop giving free things away to people that haven't earned it, then they won't come here for free things. When uh, my family came over here from Pakistan, 
They didn't come for free things. My father was out of work for six months looking for work and doing a darn good job looking for work and having a tough time because he was brown. But he did find it, and he he loved America for it. And that, I mean, I think we're out of time for really getting into the, into that. But the biggest thing in in the drug problem is really the the breakdown of the family. If this country did not have that huge breakdown of the family, the drugs would not be as much of a problem. And if we're going to legalize drugs, uh, what I heard you just say right now is they shouldn't be free. <laughs> no, <laughs> sure. for sure. Hey, all the COVID drugs are free. Why? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Anyway. You, you were right. You're, you didn't. You, I don't think you can see the clock that I can see, but uh, we are running out of time. Uh, I do want to say a lot of times people are abusing uh, drugs, the legal or illegal, because there's some legal drugs that people are abusing too that uh, having all sorts of problems. It's because you're chasing after something. You want to have some sort of a relief or some sort of um, you know feeling good about life or being distracted from your problems or stuff. You can truly accomplish that. In fact, it has been accomplished for you by Jesus Christ. And those that are following him are indwelt by his spirit and have those things you're chasing after. And it gets only better from there when Christ returns and you and you live without any of those wants. No more crying, no more tears, no more pain, no more sadness, no more nothing in glorification. Things are returned back to the way they were intended at the beginning of creation. Of course, we have screwed that up with our sin, and so we do have to have regulations and discussions about this to figure out how to navigate it. But it's all solved at the cross of Christ. And if you'd like to know more about that, go to my website, householdoffaithinchrist.com, and we can connect from there. Thank you, uh, Imran, Daniel, David. I'm Troy. This is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. Till next week, God bless. signature how many hours are left you don't have anymore what's that Le you used to say this this many hours left till now. i didn't have time <laughs> two <laughs> two weeks in a row that's right i mean <clears throat> i think it's a i think it's a cute little clever, it is it's cute it's kind of like a signature yeah but it's more important to sneak in the gospel than oh, to sneak in the signature absolutely little yes yeah, the next one is prison directly. So it's, and it was actually structured that way on purpose. I felt like that it would kind of flow, but uh, and if it had come up earlier, I might have just we might have just done both issues at once in two shows. But we were deep enough in. It's like you know what? Let's save it and tackle that as a separate, right? Separate thing. <clears throat> I think with one of the things that uh, one of the reasons why certain things end up being made illegal is because um, or like possession of a certain amount of drugs or of mm -hmm. particular drugs period is because intent is so difficult to prove right beyond a, a reasonable doubt. Right. So right. Then, well, if, then when the crime is committed then you punish the crime. You don't worry about intent. It's hard. I mean, it's, but that's, that's the same thing with guns, right? You could have a lot of guns or no guns, but let's say you have a lot of guns. They're nothing. You, who knows what you intend to do with them? You could intend to murder people. You could intend to defend your family. You could just like collecting guns. And until you actually do something illegal, then there shouldn't be any punishment, right? And the, a gun is kind of like that, right? People will say, oh, well cocaine in this amount, there's no good reason for you to have that. Most people will say the same thing about, oh, there's no good reason for you to have a gun. Or ten who, guns. Who cares? It's not their, the government's business. You know? Yeah, but there's... 
I, I mean, there there are certain things like that have no, like no 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 redeeming value. Right. There's no medicinal use. There's no recreational <laughs> use that isn't bad. <laughs> Maybe somebody just likes to hoard cocaine. <laughs> they're a collector. Yeah. Again, they're not committing a crime by just hoarding it by buying uh, ten tons of it. They're not committing crimes. Yes. And from a practical standpoint, I, I, I don't think I, anyone I has ever done that. I pretty much agree with, that's why I wanted to get I, I felt like David might have a, a better right. shot at trying to push back, because I'm pretty much in agreement. But, My position on this shifted about 25, no, more than that now. No, about 25 years ago. Uh, and the logic of it, when you look at, we, we kind of can see the war on drugs back in the 1920s with the war on alcohol. Right. And how horribly that went. Prohibition doesn't work as far as accomplishing, it's proven not to work in accomplishing good for the culture and society. It created this whole underbelly, this, you know, these, these mobsters who were selling drugs, or the, the alcohol and the speakeasies, and all, all of those problems that came with it. And I'm wondering if all these problems we have, you know, by putting this war on drugs, if we got rid of the war on drugs... And put no, they wouldn't out. go away, I don't think. The problems wouldn't go away, but they, I don't think, they, to your point, they wouldn't be anywhere near as dramatic as what we've had to live through. And and the I the think, sex trade and stuff I think diminishes. At, at, at the most, it could not get worse than it is now. That's it's my, hard to imagine it being worse. That's true. It is hard to imagine yeah, it being I mean, worse. I, it's I bad. Think, I, I guess my, my, my feeling is that the, there's a much stronger argument in saying what 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 do we need to be active about? Like, what are the... Right, so, like, saying, like, the strengthening of the family, mm-hmm. right. right, is... And that's why I tried to bring that in at the end, because is, that's really what the problem right. is. Right. And we didn't even right. get into it, but, you know, I, one of my... The, but we'll get into it today. Yeah. You know, the, I also the, feel the, like it's the outside... The punishment of It's outside crimes. really legitimate yeah. government's responsibilities, too. They're outside their lane when they get involved. Uh, I'm going to blow your that. socks off with what I'm going to talk about, crime and punishment. <laughs> All right, pulling them up tight, <laughs> pulling up my socks. All right, here we go. Be able to back it up with scripture. That doesn't. Then it's okay. Welcome to the Faith Debate on nine thirty WFMD on the FM at ninety nine point nine HD two and on the internet at WFMD.com. I'm Troy Skinner. Thank you for spending part of your Sunday morning with us. I'm not sure, but I think as this show airs, it's Mother's Day, so happy shout-out Mother's Day to anybody who's uh, got some babies, whether they're little babies or grown-up babies. Uh, happy Mother's Day uh, to you. Hopefully you are uh, duly honored by those in your life today. We're not talking about mothers today, though, uh, although we're talking about mothers who might wish that they could go see their kids a little easier because they might be behind bars. <laughs> Uh, we'll be talking about that in a little bit. Let me introduce the panel. Uh, I'm Troy Skinner, uh, pastor of a church called Household of Faith in Christ. has a website, householdoffaithinchrist.com. I encourage you to check that out. And if you go there, you'll see these beautiful faces. Imran Razvi, he's a pastor in the north end of Frederick County. His uh, son, Daniel Razvi, is a pastor at that same church on the north end of Frederick County. It's the uh, church that meets at uh, Imran's house. And they have a website as well. It's uh, oh, the just uh, old man's disease hit me. 
Conqueredbyloveconquered by love thank oh my gosh I say it how many times have I said it and I just <laughs> blanked out conqueredbyloveorg you can check out their ministry stuff there and David Forsey I don't think he's like really hip and cool doesn't have a website no nope. he's hip and cool in other ways did you hear that <laughs> voice how hip and cool is that uh, David Forsey is the pastor of a house church that meets uh, in the south end of Frederick County so if you're in Frederick County looking for a house church you don't have too far to travel we got you know north south and center pretty much covered for you so. I don't think you need to look for a house church if you're looking for anybody that can really talk to you about who God is and what God can do for you. Uh, one of these churches probably do you a lot better than going to a regular church in a church building. It, these days, sadly true, right? It's part of why we're doing what we're doing because uh, I know I'm biased. I just said this actually uh, earlier this week to somebody, and I actually preface it saying, saying okay, I'm biased. It's, I'm hard-pressed to think of a church other than you know, the churches that are represented in this room that I would have any sort of confidence recommending right now in Frederick County. And if you're a pastor listening to the show, you're really offended by that. And if you feel like you're an exception to that rule, please reach out to me. I'd like to know other churches that are biblical and haven't given me over to the spirit of the age. And if that's you, please let me know because I have people that reach out to me and they're not too keen on the house church thing. I get it. Not everybody's comfortable. We've all been conditioned that the institutional model is the way to go. And it's a hard thing to overcome. And I would like to be able to recommend another church in the area. And I just... No, I'm not sure who those churches are. So give me a call. We'll talk it through. And, uh, you know, if you're if, if you're on a close enough page to where we are, where, you know, if it's me giving the recommendation where I am, you will give my hearty endorsement. And I would feel good about that. We, we need more brothers. We're, uh, in we're really not as weird as, as people might think. No, we're <laughs> weird. Not that yeah, that's true. P uh, Peter Kemeny, a good news Presbyterian. Peter Kemeny has been on this show in the past, and I, I've known him for a while. And uh, I haven't paid close attention to where he is on some of the issues that have really reared their ugly head the last couple of years. So I do know that I would have recommended him unambiguously a few years ago. Assuming that he's still where he was, I would probably recommend his church. I haven't talked to him in a while, so, but yeah, that might be a more traditional, although they don't have a building, they're still in a, a school uh, cafeteria. So, so think, are they right? a school church or a home church? Yeah. <laughs> so, but if you're looking for a church with a building, uh, it's hard. And you know, now, I don't want to turn this into an advertisement for churches. There's a couple others actually that are beginning to enter my, that I, I feel like might be okay. But I don't want to get down that road right now. So I've already caused enough. Call offense. Troy and he'll tell you. Call me and I'll <laughs> apologize if I need to apologize because I, I forgot the name of your ministry for crying out loud two seconds ago. I'm sure I'm forgetting some good churches. Anyway, prison. Should there be jails? What are the alternative sanctions for crime? What does the Bible say? So uh, I was forewarned that somebody in this room would blow our socks off with their, with their answer, but I don't know if that person needs to go first. So I mean, is, is the prison model biblical? Is that what we should be doing? Is there a so better? I, I think the, the biblical model is that the, the punishment should fit the crime. And, uh, I mean, we have all of, you know, we have, we have in, the, in the first five books of the Bible, we have the law. Uh, laid out for you know how how the Israelites should um, should treat various crimes. What the punishment? So if somebody be. locks somebody else in a cage and they get caught, then their punishment should be to be locked in a cage. So that could be an <clears throat> argument for prison. Well, it de it depends <laughs> if they uh, if it actually they, says if, you if, should be killed for it. Yeah, if they kidnap the person, right? Then uh, then death would be the appropriate. Because yeah. some, some things punishment. are heinous enough that there's really, you know, punishing them by doing the same thing to them wouldn't 
be good enough. Yeah. And, you know, so that's why it's a and, and responding murder, responding in kind, right, is not does not mean the, that's not the definition of the punishment fitting the crime. See, the issue is we are civilized. And Speak for yourself. We're civilized in this country, <laughs> and so we can't, we don't want to, you know, hurt somebody. We want to rehabilitate them. We want them, we want to give them a chance to be better, to become better. And one of the things that people bring up all the time is what about those people that are convicted wrongly, that did not commit the crime, didn't, did not do that? Well, my answer to that biblically is we are all guilty of death. So if we die and we're killed wrongly, God is in charge, God is in control. So, and I would say that even of my own family, whether I was convicted of murder and killed and I didn't commit it, I'd be okay with that. I would actually be okay with that. I know where I'm going. I know that I'm going to be with God and I am clear of my sin. And if this uh, government or anybody else decides that I committed a murder and kills me, I'm okay with that even though I didn't do it. So that's where I, I come in is biblically, we are all guilty of sin, and the punishment for sin, any, any sin, is death. So barring Jesus Christ dying for our sins to eliminate that death sentence for us, we are all guilty. So whether you committed this specific crime or not, you're guilty. And if you die wrongfully for this sin that you didn't commit, it's still a sin that you've committed. And, and, and I think people, especially people that feel like this life is the only thing, they're going to be a lot more concerned and careful. Not that you shouldn't be careful when you're, when you're, you know, judging somebody for a crime. You know, you should be extremely careful. But I was having this conversation with an atheist um, a number of years back, and and it came about about capital punishment. He's like, yeah, but I I just can't be in favor of capital punishment at all. Because to what Raz was saying, because I could be wrong, and then I'm depriving them of life. And I said, yes, because you think life ends when somebody dies, right? But that's so why would the atheists care because the, that person that's having their life end is just a random combination of molecules that happen to come together with no meaning, no purpose. I didn't say the position was logical. <laughs> but, but a lot of people, I mean, they, they may call themselves atheists, but they do care and they, because it makes us feel bad when we see other people feeling bad, generally. Generally, even if somebody's not saying... You're a normal person. If, if, yeah, there are people you know, that, that, that don't psychotics. feel any of that. But generally, when you see somebody sad, it also makes you sad or depressed or whatever. And so he didn't want that. And, and, I, and I, my, my point was, okay, but I'm not ending their life. First of all, God's going to allow it if it happens. If he doesn't want it to happen, it won't happen. But secondly, he will have had a chance to either be saved or not saved. And if he is, then life isn't ending. And if he's not saved then no, no amount of extra few days I would have given him on this earth is going to co compare to the eternal punishment he's going to go through anyway. So that's why it's, it's not uh, something that Christians should be quite as um, concerned about. However, with that said, you need the Bible does prescribe you need two witnesses. You need to be very sure and have proof that somebody committed a crime before you punish them. But to your first point about jail, there is no example of jail in the Bible. The only possible a comparison would be a holding place until trial. You you know you catch the person in the act of whatever, and you bring him before the judge. And I guess somebody's got to hold him still so he doesn't run away while you're doing this, right? So that could be a jail, um, but as a temporary holding place until trial and conviction, or acquittal, and then it's done, right? If you one of the, the the most frustrating to me, thing to me about the prison system that we have in America is Troy, if if 
if you steal a thousand bucks from me, two weeks in a row, I'm used as the example of like the the the, the heel in the room. Last week I was doing drugs. This week I'm stealing money, probably right. for the drugs, right? All right, Dave. <laughs> David steals a thousand bucks from me, <laughs> and so we catch him. We try him. He's guilty. We convict him, and now because he stole a thousand dollars from me, I get to pay him another thousand dollars. Because I got to pay for his food and clothing and free uh, cable TV in jail for the next number of years until whatever it is, right? So now I probably got to pay him more than a thousand dollars, depending on you know you divide among all the taxpayers and so on. But the the point is, why do I, the victim, have to pay for something that I actually was right? right? So it didn't it doesn't help it doesn't fix anything, right? It takes him out of society. But really, the biblical thing is, if you steal a thousand dollars from me. You have you become my slave until you've paid back. If you don't have the money to pay back, if you have the money, then just with pay interest. back with, with interest. interest. And the interest is three hundred to five hundred percent. It's not small interest, right? Yeah. But it depends on what you're stealing. So there's different variations. But uh, yeah, the restitution model. Yeah, and the person has no opportunity to make restitution if they're behind bars. Is, exactly is, is the argument. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, are, I'm wondering, are we all kind of in agreement on? Prisons might not be the way we do it. Might not be the best, and we should institute more death penalty. Well, there's also uh, the judgments. The, also, I mean, there are people that argue. Well, there's so many instances of people being saved in prison that changed their life, that were in a, in a life of crime, and they, yeah. they had a, God can use all things. That's not an argument for it. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people were saved uh, when they were brought over here against their will as slaves. Right. Entire <laughs> families are Christian families because they were man stolen shipped across the ocean, and and then the ultimate good happens to them, but that doesn't mean it was good that they were stolen and shipped across the, gun, exactly. the ocean. Exactly. Right. So right. I think we're, we should hopefully be in agreement that, that biblically there is not a stance for prison as a permanent restitution type of thing. Prison does not restitute the crime. So <coughs> what we do need is a short holding spell, quick trials. I mean, this country was built on having a quick trial, which doesn't seem to always happen now, but having a quick trial, get it done with. Yeah, ask some of those guys from January 6th of uh, 2021. Yes. <laughs> right? They're it's still waiting. Without any, any sometimes any charges. <laughs> yeah. And they, there was no re, the resurre- I mean, revolution there. There was no armed revolution. There was no insurrection. There was no guns. It's just ridiculous. But, That's a political punishment. That's a different story for a different uh, show. But for crime, and there's also a lot of people say, hey, there's been a lot of people that have been wrongfully convicted. There have been ro- a lot of people that were uh, targeted because of their skin color. And I know people that have, and I've seen plenty of videos to pr- do that. But even through that, as I said in my opening statement, is we are all guilty of sin. We're all guilty of death. And the problem is there is a, a distinct lack of respect for authority in this country. So people that are in a situation where they're being pulled over, uh, I was reading an article about uh, this uh, uh, cop pulled over a black gentleman because his taillight was out. He was just going to give him a, a, uh, a warning to get it fixed. But the gentleman, because of all the stuff he's heard and seen and everything else, was so afraid that he took off out of the car and ran. And, and then the police officer ended up uh, using a taser on him. The taser didn't work because the guy was a very big man and didn't work. And he started fighting him and ended up being killed by by a gunshot because the police officer now became afraid for his life. And the whole thing was because the taillight was out, and he was just being friendly and saying, hey, you have a taillight out, you should get it fixed. He wasn't even going to give a ticket. So 
that's the problem. There is no respect for authority, and maybe it's well-deserved. Maybe there are too many bad cops out there, but I don't think so. I think there's too many bad journalists out there that are taking one instance out of a thousand and making it so big that it creates fear in people. But but back back to the original question, though, with, with the jail, it's, I think we are, to your point, I think we are all in, seem to be in agreement that jail is not really a biblical thing, but what do you replace it with? And you need to have an actual system of restitution rather than punishment. And that's, I think, part, part of the issue is our society is all based on, oh, you're guilty, you need to have bad thing happen to you. Not, you need to make right what you did wrong, right? So sometimes you have to have a bad thing happen to you, sometimes you have a punishment. Like, if you murder somebody, right, there's no other way to rectify that. You can never bring the person back, so now p death penalty is what it is. But and Same with rape. You're not going to turn around and rape that person. You've got to have something else. I think, uh, I think maybe something... To, to talk about a little bit might be okay where does um, where does forgiveness where does redemption right where grace mercy like it how do we how do those things fit into this conversation well that well that comes from the church and it comes from the individual but that doesn't come from the government right it's not the government's role to extend Forgiveness. Yeah. In fact, Romans right. says Romans thirteen says that's the role of government is to punish the evil do or punish the wicked, right? Uh, well, and, but even even spiritually, right? Oh, God always forgives. Yes, God forgives. That doesn't mean there's no consequences, right? So there's there's two verses that, uh, you know, I, I don't hear. I'm surprised that I don't hear unbelievers show these verses often enough as examples of how the Bible is so contradictory. But there is a section. That in in uh, Exodus twenty it says the Lord uh, visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and then there's another spot in I think um, is it Isaiah or Ezekiel, I think um, Isaiah that says the fathers shall not be put to death for the children nor the children for their fathers, but every man should be put to death for his own sins. And and so that's um, that's the seems to be a contradiction, but it's not right. There there are actual consequences. That are going to happen, and God is—they're going to follow you, and they're going to follow your family if there's crimes and sins that you're doing. That doesn't negate the possible—the thing that you're responsible for your own actions, and and so, you know, it's. I kind of—I guess I kind of lost my train of thought, but the. Um, well, look, could, go ahead. If it comes back, let me jump in. I want to. Um, since there's a lot of agreement, there might be some disagreement on some minor points here or there. Whatever. It sounds like there's a generalized. Uh, agreement here, so I want to play devil's advocate and and try to think of ways to make a biblical argument. Uh, is it, it? And let me start with a practical example, a micro practical example. A lot of parents will discipline their children by putting them in timeout, or sometimes you you remove your teenage. Uh, son or daughter from polite society by sending them into their room. Is timeout or sending them to their room some form of a familial prison, if you will, and is that sanctioned biblically? And if we wanted to go macro, is there an argument to be made that Adam and Eve, they sin, and they're cast out of the garden, which is polite society, godly society, and consigned to a very large, granted, but consigned to some sort of life in prison after the fall. 
So we got the micro-familial kind of example, and then the macro. Is there a biblical argument to be said that that would be an example of a prison system? I think the punishment should fit the crime, right? Adam and Eve were you have had the ability to live forever, and then they said, no, we don't want this. And so God said, okay, fine. And you can't live forever because you, here's the consequences of, of your actions. So I, I think I think depending on what the timeout's for, there may be a reason. But they were it. cast out, or you could say ca- in this example, right, they're cast in to prison, and, and guards are stationed to keep them from getting out of their prison back into the garden. Right? So... It, if somebody wants to make the argument that that's the case, do we have a way of thinking through that and say, yeah, that's not really the best one? Or is that a potential I mean, that, argument? That was, you know, it's essentially is a, a loss of privilege. privilege, right? So, you know, I, I think it would be maybe there are times when certain losses of privilege would be appropriate depending on the... Um, you know, depending on the the crime, I, I think I think what we see biblically that sort of is like this is um, like there's a lot of talk in Proverbs about how the value of a good name, um, the importance of a good name, and so if you are right in a in a community and you steal and then you repay that, right? You have uh, you've you've lost your reputation as a trustworthy person and that is going to have a, just a natural loss of privileges when it comes to your your social interactions with other people unless you want to run for public office right <laughs> so I, I i think what makes it difficult is uh, you know is the society that we live in where uh you know where we're not so and you know this sort of goes back to the answer, right, that we were talking about last week a little bit, right? We're not so community and familially connected, and so it's very easy for a um, a, a criminal to move from one place to the next and continue to commit the same crime um, without the natural loss of privilege within the community that they would experience if they if they stayed in one place, if that makes sense. Yes. In the colonial times, what did they do when somebody stole? They branded the right hand right where the thumb is, so when you shook a hand to make a deal, you would everybody would know that you're a criminal. <laughs> right. Okay? So then you could travel anywhere you want, but anybody that would know that, hey, this guy can be, cannot be trusted, so that, that he was punished that way. Now, <clears throat> the... Children, time out and stuff, I don't think that works. In fact, if uh, you do have children that you're having some cha- challenges with, go to conquerbylove.org. We have set a lot of resources that can maybe be helpful, punishment for the long term. We want our children to get to heaven, and that's what we're trying to correct for, not to correct the behavior here, but be able to fulfill their emotional needs so that they want to be with God. There's a difference there. And then the one thing that I wanted to show, and I think we're running out of, close out of time, but I wanted to make sure that you you got uh, both all of you here, is that... I'm very much for the punishment of the family. Okay? So uh, the, the reason we lost all the wars and the, and, the, and the struggle in Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, all those places, is because the West does not understand shame. And if the family is shamed when their children commit a horrible crime of blowing themselves up, 
there would be less people blowing themselves up. Um, I know, I believe, without a doubt, that if Bob or Ahmed or whoever you want to call him blows himself up and knows that the government is now going to go after his parents and take everything they own as restitution for the people that were blown up, and that that, that family would be shamed in public, that Bob or Ahmed or whoever you want to call him would not blow himself up, or the next one would not. Okay, we don't do that, and because we don't do that, we cannot control that kind of crime. And this is different than the crime punishment here, but that kind of uh, attitude. When you say punish, you're not talking about um, if if Daniel, who's your son, murders somebody, that you should face the death penalty. But you're saying that if he commits murder, he should face the death penalty, and that your family should somehow face some sort of a a, a shunning. Yes. yes, or have to pay some sort of restitution. restitution. Right. I, if I did not do my job, if I knew, and he has a history, and that's why, you know, uh, in biblically, you should stone your child that, that is a drunkard, right? And people bring that up, oh, you want to stone your child? Yes, if he's an adult and he's a drunkard and he's doing this, yes. Um, but if Daniel was to commit that crime and kill somebody, and he should be put to death, and I, as my family, if I had not raised him or, or, or punished him or chastised him because I loved him, then I am responsible for that. And if I don't pay restitution, I may have to work another 25 years trying to pay for the, the, the wages of that person that he killed. There'd be less people doing that. The problem that would not work so well here in the U.S. is because there's a complete breakdown of family. And, and people don't feel any responsibility for the actions of uh, people related to them. They're like, oh, well, that's his business. Right. I, I, if anything, person. people feel sorry for the family. Like, oh, that's too bad that, that mm. their, their son or daughter got so out of control. I feel bad for them as opposed to they didn't do their job. Right. right. Yeah, that's interesting. So I, I did want to take a second to try to offer a potential answer to the macro question because we didn't really end up addressing it directly. The question of being cast out of the garden. You could also use uh, hell, unless you're an, an, an annihilationist, which I'm not. Uh, I believe there's an eternal hell uh, kind of thing. Well, that would be being sent into a prison, if you will. But here's the here would be my answer. That's God's prerogative. So that's God's lane. I'm big about people being in their lane. God can cast out. God can put somebody in prison. God can put somebody in hell. God, God can strike somebody dead, and it's not murder. So God's got his prerogatives. The government's got their role. Families <laughs> have their role. Individuals have their role. The church has its role. Uh, and when we try to take on God's role and get outside of our own lanes, we can, so that would probably be my answer on the macro question. If you want to think of being cast out of the garden as a prison sentence, okay, but God did that. The government didn't do that. I didn't do that. The church didn't do that. So anyway, that would be how I go about trying to answer that, uh, that macro kind of question. So this is the Faith Debate on 930 WFMD. I want to thank uh, the gentleman uh, as I'm sitting here to my right. I'll do it in a different order this time. David Forsey, I'm going to start with the Rasbys lately, right? So David Forsey, pastor of a house church, also pastors of a house church, the same house church as it turns out, uh, Daniel and Imran Rasby. Um, I'm Troy Skinner, pastor of a house church as well. We have a website, householdoffaithinchrist.com. Of course, this radio station has a website, wfmd.com. And the Rasbys, it got mentioned here, if you want to check out the resources conqueredbylove.org. That's their website. Lots of cool parenting stuff. We're actually going to talk about some of that stuff on the faith debate in coming weeks, by the way, talking about parenting and family issues and that sort of stuff. And they've written a number of uh, books or booklets, however you want to talk about those sorts of things, resources. And we're going to do a deep dive on some of that stuff uh, on the faith debate. 
Anyway, till next week. What are we talking about next week? I think next week we're talking about profiling. Is it appropriate? Is it wrong? Is it good? Is it bad? We'll talk about that next week on the Faith Faith. Till then, 167 and a half hours from, let me check my watch, right now. God bless. I'm not sure. I can't remember. I don't think we got the gospel in that one. I think it was throughout, kind of. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I don't disagree, which is... Dangerous, though. We want to make it clear. Yeah. So that's the comment that I was telling you, Boy, Zoxoff. I think the family should be held responsible for the children's uh, misbehavior. Because if they are, then they'll do a better job of raising the kids. Or they'll disown them. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which sometimes you know, used, used to be a uh, mm -hmm. a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now they don't. To your point, though, they don't have a family from which to be disowned. Right. Yes, like, but they all they all <laughs> have mothers, and there's so many of these mothers crying and wailing about this. Their young child who's been killed by the cops after he attacked the cop. It's like, are you kidding me? That's disgusting. I feel for them, but to me, we all deserve death. That's what the Bible says. And that's the priority. We need to save our kids for eternity. Eternity is all that matters. Hmm. It's what ultimately matters. I don't know if I want to go so far as to say it's all that matters. And that's probably what you meant. Eternity... Uh... No, maternity is all that matters. Eternity starts at the beginning, though. Sure, what, what you do in this life makes a difference for eternity, right? But that's why we do it or don't do it is because of eternity. Maybe it's semantics, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, what we... What we do and believe now has eternal ramifications, but it also has temporal ramifications. I'm going to press forward just because of the time. Yes. We talked way too much. Had too much fun before we started. Yeah. Is this the last one for tonight? Shame on us. Well, if, if we can hang in there, we have scheduled to do five and we've only done three so we do have technically two more to try to squeeze in if we can they're like 25 minutes each that'd be like 50 ish well with some time in between 55 minutes so if we can hang in there that long if we can great if not we'll figure it out welcome to the faith debate on 930 wfmd and 99.9 hd2 and um WFMD.com and available on podcast at householdoffaithinchrist.com and in your better dreams. All those places is where you'll find the faith debate. I'm Troy Skinner, the pastor of Household of Faith in Christ. I mentioned our website, householdoffaithinchrist.com. 
uh, joined as usual now by uh, three pastors in Frederick County. We're all part of doing something together. We're all networking together as house churches. We're serving actually as, as mutual accountability partners and, and, and serving kind of as the, the elder board, if you will, for the churches so that we have, uh, we have accountability and, and we can exercise discernment as a group. And, uh, you know, uh, it, it's really helpful if you're, if you're trying to do a house church on your own and you don't have something in, uh, set up to help you. Uh, avoid pitfalls and, and temptations or just navigate things wisely, I would encourage you to figure that out. That's a, that will be a hole in the house church game if you're not careful. Anyway, um, Daniel Razvi, Imran Razvi, and David Forsey are the, uh, the, the three pastors who are joining the panel again. And we're, in the past, we used to talk about like one or two issues and do an arc of shows on just those one or two issues. Um, this is a little bit different these last few weeks as we've been kind of going issue to issue to issue, and yet there is a bit of a connection. So a couple of weeks ago we were talking about drugs, whether they should be illegal or not. Then we were talking about prison. Of course, a lot of people are in prison because of the drug question, so there's a connection there. And, of course, the issue this week, which I teased at the end of last week's show, profiling, that kind of fits as well. It's its own standalone issue, but a lot of people end up in jail because... Uh, Police officers notice that that person looks like they could be a criminal. I'm going to keep my eye on them. And then they maybe prove to be a criminal and they end up in jail. But some people don't like that. <laughs> it's not nice to profile. So profiling, so, is the practice itself just by definition bigoted? I, I, would, re, I would rephrase the, that, though, because you just made a comment that's, that's more of a biased comment to start with, right? You said some people... That's my prerogative. Up, I can be biased if I want. What I well, say. we're all biased, but you said... Some people end up in jail because they were profiled. Somebody looked at them and thought because of the way they looked or acted, they probably were a criminal, and then they went to jail for it. Well, they went to jail because they were a criminal. How they were found might have been because somebody was paying attention to, right. to the way they looked. Well, I, I thought but, what I said was that but they, it wasn't, they, they looked like they could be a criminal. They, they check them out, and it turns out they are a criminal, and that's right, how they got right. found so, out. Was, so that, but that that's goes to the crux. That's go to the goes to the crux of the question, right? Because you often see people complain, "Oh, there's so many more people of this skin color incarcerated than people of the other skin color incarcerated." Okay, well, does that mean you're just locking up people because of the way they look, or does it mean that it just so happens that there's more criminals among people that look like right. that? that I think mean... the practice that Imran, you were off mic, but he said it's just good police work. I think there's wisdom in appropriate profiling, so I'll put my cards right on the table. But those who disagree with me, and perhaps others in this room, would say, well, no, profiling is bad because by, by definition it's bigoted. Right? You're judging somebody based on the color of their skin, the style of their dress, uh, uh, the hitch in their gait, you know, whatever, whatever it is. Or the pants hanging down at their knees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which... I don't know. I mean, I understood that was a fad. The fads come and go. I get it, whatever. But how is that still going on after all these years? Why won't that fad go away? I know. I saw somebody <laughs> just today walking that way, and I really wanted to put the window down and say, you know, you really look like an idiot. You really do. But the thing is, you know, 100 years ago or 200 years ago, people took pride in how they looked. They, even people that were unloading... Particularly if you looked as good as me, you know what I'm saying? Even if you're unloading <laughs> trucks, 
You, you wore a three-piece suit, and you took the jacket off, you still had the vest, and you were unloading trucks. You ever see a picture of a sporting event from, like, the 1930s or 40s? Yeah. All the men are wearing jackets and hats, and mm -hmm. they look like they're... I remember yeah. when I was a kid, and you know, this will date me a little bit for the, the younger set, and it'll, it'll make me sound really young to the older set, because when I say I remember this when I was a kid, but of course you remember that. I remember it. I'm 90. But when, I'm not 90, but I remember when I was a kid, you got dressed up to go on an airplane. It was like when I was a little kid, you got dressed up like you. Well, now it doesn't mean anything, but you, now I guess you still dress up like you're going to church. But but you know what I mean by that? You would dress up like you're going to church, like you're going to somebody's. Well, even going to somebody's wedding, people don't get dressed up for that. Nobody gets dressed up for anything anymore. Right. What's the analogy I'm looking for? <laughs> and, and people and people. There's there's a lot of people that say. Oh, you shouldn't be shouldn't be dressed up. You shouldn't be looking a certain way or trying to act a certain way because that's all about appearances, and we shouldn't be concerned about our appearances. We should be just even a Christian. A lot of Christians will say, "Oh, don't be concerned about your appearance because that's not what's important. That's taking pride and being arrogant and superficial and all of that." We talked about this briefly before, but but there's there's examples in the Bible of actually you do act a certain way and you dress a certain way specifically for certain events and things. The whole parable of, you know, they, they, they got all the people off the street to come in for the wedding. And, oh, you didn't have wedding clothes. Well, you're out. Throw them out, right? It's clearly you're supposed to wear a certain clothes for a wedding in that, in that context. And then people saying, well, Jesus was a poor person. He, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't dress up fancy or anything. Well, he was wearing a single garment that was woven without a seam, which was a very expensive thing. And it so, works in the reverse, too. Yeah. Right. And that's why profiling, I think, has a place. And it's not foolproof. Right. People wear three piece suits and they go axe murder somebody. I and mean, that, that, that probably has happened, you know. So that it's not an absolute tell, but it could be a tell. And so people who were uh, the, the elites of society 200 plus years ago would wear these weird coats with tails and white, you know, whoa, um, wigs. Uh, wigs on their head. And that's how you knew that they were some sort of dignitary. They were a p political person or the aristocracy or something. And that was their look. And you see that today with the three-piece suits or, you know, there's, there's uh, I'm thinking of somebody right now who used to live in Frederick County was a big muckety-muck in the business scene. And he always looked good. I mean, he looked good. Good. He always his clothes were just impeccable, and the way he put himself together, he just looked sharp all the time. And he was a very successful guy, and he he wanted to walk into a room and everybody say, you know what? There's a successful guy. So there's that look. Now he might not have been a successful guy, but fake it till you make it. If that's the case, and if you look successful, people will start to think you're successful. But it works in the reverse. Right? People that got their pants hanging down around their knees, that's not the look of success. That's a look of somebody who maybe doesn't care that much about what's going on in society and culture. They, they might be a ne'er-do-well. They might be a troublemaker because oftentimes you see somebody who dresses like that who more often than other people wearing the three-piece suits that are causing a ruckus. Right, but you know what? If in the last month there were six people that committed murder that were wearing three-piece suits, we profile three piece suit. Absolutely, okay. yeah, yeah. So it's it's not about what they're wearing; it's about what the what led to that. Um, and people that are w wearing things that look awful usually are the ones that are committing the crime. 
I remember going driving down a street one time, and there was a nicely dressed, I mean, sharp dressed black man that was, you know, walking down the street in the middle of D.C. and it was not a good part of D.C. but he was walking there and and we had no problem. And then there was a a white guy that had a hoodie on and his pants were down his down his knees and he looked really shifty. And my wife immediately locked the doors and put the windows up. It had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with color at all. It had everything to do with appearance. And that's profiling, right? So we have to be smart about what we do. Now, if some people just do it because of color, that's that's a different type of profile. That's more racist. racist. And that's, that's not really profiling. Now, just the other day, we had you know crime committed in the subway in New York, and none of the media even said what color the person was for hours. It just said, oh, he was like 5'8", and... Um, and that's about it, right? Okay, but how does that help anybody find that person? They never said it. Right. In fact, one of the uh, newscasters on, on a conservative show said, the reason I knew that person was black because they didn't say what race that guy. <laughs> because if he was white, if he was Chinese, if he was this, they yeah. would have said something. So th- then I immediately knew that he was black because the, the, the woke culture now is you cannot do that. And in fact, uh, one of the things that makes you racist is if you dress nicely. If you show up on time, okay, if you know math, if you actually do the work you're assigned to, all that stuff is now considered racist or white supremacist because they say that's what the white people do. No, that's what successful people do. You don't have to be here in the U.S. and, and to do that. It's anywhere in the world if you're doing that, whatever color you are. And the reality, we all profile, it's not just dress or skin color. We all profile in our, in our the way we navigate life. It's just the way, I mean, think about something that has nothing to do with... Uh, looks, but has to do with persona. You walk up to somebody and they talk fast. A lot of people, particularly from the South and maybe even parts of uh, Maryland, if you're a fast talker, oh, you're some sort of fast talking city slicker. Like I don't trust you. You're a snake oil salesman, aren't you? Like so, they're pro. They're making a decision based on that. Or if somebody you know don't got no good English. You're like, you know, that person probably isn't very smart. They might be really smart, but English is like the sixth language they know. And so their syntax isn't so good. Their grammar is not so good. But they're brilliant. But your first instinct is that's not a very smart person because they got this not so good English going on right. until it's you called, know it's better. It's logical reasoning. Yeah, we're and making you make, snap you make assumptions. Now, you need to be prepared to challenge your assumptions if, you, if, it, if there's evidence to show that your assumptions are incorrect. But if you go with the assumption or the premise that you shouldn't ever have any assumptions, then that's a um, logical pit that you can never climb out of because you'll never be able to make any decision about anything because you have no place to start, no frame of reference to start from. Uh, and so it's, it is important. And I think... We should really discuss, you know, what is the biblical exactly. Basis I was going to well, you, right? you, if we didn't so, actually get there, I was going to say. So, are there some biblical examples of profiling in play, or some sort of instruction about profiling, or times when you, as a pastor, had to deal with somebody's legitimate prejudice and, and you know bigoted opinions, and say, you know what, that's not biblical. How you're Anything like that, put a more of a, a faith debate pastoral spin on this issue. And biblically, we do all have a place in God's heart for for all believers. It says there's neither Jew nor Greek, uh, bond nor free, male nor female in Christ. But that is that's a different thing, I think, than than profiling. So it's not it's not that there's the people are not equal. However, Jesus 
made what some might be considered some some might consider to be an extremely racist statement to the woman that was uh, uh, asking the um, the Gentile woman that wanted some help or some healing from him, and he's like, "Yeah, I shouldn't give the uh, children's bread and toss it to their dogs, right?" And and she's like, "Well, even the dogs eat the crumbs from fall from the master's table," and she says, "Your faith is is healed you." But if if you're reading this passage in a book and we just change the names and stuff, you might oh that's a really racist person said to a person that's from a different country, oh you're a dog we shouldn't give have time for you. But Jesus was not uh, sinning, okay. So if it was racist, then that wasn't a sin. That <laughs> it was for the glory of God. It was for the glory of God, and he was making a point that Jesus came for the Jews. Jesus was Jewish, and Jews are God's chosen people. Yes. The Gentiles also have the opportunity, but it's the Jew first. And Paul was also, you know, even though his whole ministry was to the Gentiles, Paul was very clear, to the, to the Jew first, then to the Greek, right? So there's an example of God profiling, God giving first right to the Jews. To the firstborn. To the firstborn. There's, yeah, there's a lot of examples of the firstborn. Gets double the inheritance of everybody else. Oh, that's not fair to the fourthborn child. Okay. It's not supposed to be. It's not, yeah, life isn't fair. There's no, where is that written that life has to be fair? There's... Fair meaning everybody get an equal thing. No, everybody is not equal. Um, so I think there are some number of examples of God dif- discriminating. And that doesn't mean because, you know, you don't have the same privileges as somebody else. That doesn't mean that you're not going to ever have the opportunity to be saved, which is the ultimate thing. That's If you're saved, that's what that's what matters. We were talking off air, you know, that's the, is that the only thing that ever matters? You know, people maybe have pushed back on that, but... Eternity is the most important thing. So I don't know. That's a kind of yeah. a lot the, of random thoughts. We have the example of uh, of the shibboleth, <laughs> right? That's profiling <laughs> by the way they yeah. pronounce the accent. They, they people couldn't. It was it, a hard. It word. doesn't specifically say whether that was a, a wrong of them to do. It was. I think it's definitely positioned as it's a very clever. Yeah. Thing right. I, I. 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 Yeah. It doesn't specifically say, and this was a really God honoring thing to do. But I think the way the story plays out, it's that that's that's being clever and wise, and it's a that's way a, to suss out the enemy. That's a more obscure passage, but so for those of you who don't know, there was the two yeah. tribes were fighting, and from one side of the river, they had an accent. They couldn't say the S H. They could only say the S, and so they said they would they were trying to figure out which ones were the traitors, and they were all from the one side of the river, and so they was they were saying, hey. Um, say this word, shibboleth, and they would say sibboleth if they couldn't say shibboleth, and then that's how, that's how they... Uh... And that's how profiling started. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, that might be our first documented case of profiling. And there's a contemporary, more contemporary version of that, uh, as I understand it, during World War II. There were a lot of uh, people that you were concerned because, you know, the, uh, a lot of Americans have German heritage, and so they're fighting the Germans, and if, the, if, if they're fighting a German who happens to have a good American accent, they could try to fool them. And so one of the tests, was they would ask him a question about Major League Baseball. And because all the American back then, it truly was America's pastime, if you didn't know something about baseball, you were not an American. I mean, baseball, motherhood, apple pie, you know, that was... And so they would ask him, and if they didn't know who Joe DiMaggio was or something like that, like... You dirty rotten Nazi! I'm shooting you now. So that was a a, a shibboleth kind of a profiling sort of a of a thing. I'm I'm not sure I can think of another off the top of my head example in the Bible where there's profiling, but there there probably are. Yeah. If I th- but I want more time. I want to give an example of what the country is actually doing. So uh, <coughs> those of you that are just hearing the radio and don't know who I am, 
I am brown of skin color. Okay, and during after 9-11, the planes were shut down. Nobody was flying. The first day that the planes were flying, I had to fly out for business. And, uh, yeah, I'm brown. I look like a terrorist if you want to profile me. But when I went through all the uh, safety things, I went through so fast, no problem. I, I, everybody treated me very well. So I was very wondering what's going on. I mean, I should have been patted down or something. But while I was there, there was this lady in a wheelchair, an elderly white lady, and she was going through the ringer. I was like, they're going out of their way to look at somebody else that absolutely does not fit the profile, and I fit the profile, and they didn't even look at me. So that's just stupidity to me. And, I, and I'm brown, and it would have actually caused me more harm. But I myself said, hey, what about me? You're talking to this lady. What about me? He said, no, no, you're cleared. Fine. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. Yeah, it doesn't fast the common sense. I thought of two more, by the way. One's maybe iffy. Could <coughs> circumcision be, that'd be an identifier, a way to profile, hey, you don't belong to us. That's, a, that's an indicator that you could tell. So you'd have to be naked, I guess, to tell that. But uh, that, that would be a, an example. And, um, oh, what was the other one? I just had it, and it slipped my mind. Darn it. Well, is, is the issue more, uh, you know, why, I, I mean, certainly we, we make distinctions all the time, um, is, uh, you know, is, is, is the problem that people have with uh, profiling because there are, you know, distinctions that are made where there's, there's nothing wrong with that distinct thing in and of itself? Um, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a, in law enforcement, right, it's a, I, I guess the problem people take is, you know, guilty by association isn't a very uh, kind the, way to treat police officers, are, I mean, I, I am not a police officer, and I don't come from a law enforcement family, so I don't know a lot about it. Basically, what I know about law enforcement, I've learned on television and, and movies, you know what That's I mean? That's dangerous. Yeah, so it's dangerous, so... Uh, by the way, I did have the other thought pop into my head, the profiling thing. The New Testament says that they will know us, believers, by our love for one another. Mm. And so that's an indicator we can tell, boy, that those people over there really seem to love each other. They might be Christians. You know, that, that would be a positive kind of a profiling. But police, are, aren't they trained to look for things that are out of the ordinary? I'm thinking about that Eddie Murphy movie. I think it was uh, 48, no, it wasn't 48 Hours. It was the other one. He's a police officer. Wasn't the Nick Dolte one, but he's a Detroit cop. He goes to L.A. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. Beverly Hills cop. Which one? Beverly Hills cop. Was it Beverly Hills cop? Yeah, I think that was it. And you know, the whole idea is he's like this street smart, hip, really good cop, sarcastic and all that sort of stuff. That's it's a comedy, but he's a really smart, capable police officer. And he goes to a nightclub with these L.A. cops, and it's, it's poking fun at L.A. and they're laid back and they're clueless cops and. There's this guy that walks in, and Eddie Murphy's character immediately says, keep an eye on that guy, and it turns out the guy's a bad guy, and there's a shoot-em-up that takes place in the nightclub. But Eddie Murphy knew that something was wrong because he says, look at that guy, and the cops are like, what, what, what? And he's like, it's 98 degrees outside. The guy's wearing a trench coat. It does, something doesn't fit. It's like Sesame Street. One of these things is not like another. So if you're in an area where it's... I would even put it in the reverse. I'm going to do it on purpose in this context. You're in a neighborhood where there's 4,000 people that live within a few city blocks, and all of them are black. 
and then some white guy shows up. If I'm a cop, that gets my attention. What's that white guy doing in an all-black neighborhood? I'm just gonna—I'm not gonna arrest him, but it's gonna get my attention. I'm gonna look at him and see why is he here? Because it doesn't fit. And I, so there's nothing wrong with being white. There's nothing wrong with being brown. There's nothing wrong with being black. But if it doesn't fit the context of what's going on, it—it it seems foolhardy to not pay any attention to that. Yeah, it can go bad. I get it. It can be ugly. I get it, but. And, you know, if you're concerned, you change your behavior. I had a friend that uh, he, was, he was taught as a young child by his uncle. He said, look, if you want to succeed in this world, you can't talk like a black person in the hood. You have to watch the TV and, and speak clearly English so people take you seriously. And he took that further. I mean, he could be a chameleon. He could be different people to different per persons, and that's how you profile. And when he would drive, he said, look, when I drive home, okay, I'm sitting up straight. I'm keeping my jacket on, and I'm, you know, looking really respectable because I don't want to be stopped for something else. But when I get close to my homies, my friends in my, in my neighborhood, then I'll put my seat way back and lean way back, put one hand on the steering wheel and really, like, hang out because now I know I'm there and they would judge me differently. So people act how they want to be treated. And so there's nothing wrong with profiling. You decide how do you want to be treated. And act that way. And there's a wisdom in that. I mean, when I was, you know, my daughter, she's an adult now and, you know, married and starting her family and all that sort of stuff. But back in the day, uh, and some people are opposed to any sort of ear piercings, but I was okay with a single piercing, one in each ear, you know, so two piercings, I guess. But she got to be in high school and she wanted to have another piercing, like a third hole. And I just saw too many people her age that they get a third hole, and then six months later they get a fourth hole, and then they get a fifth hole, and a sixth hole. Before you know it, they got a whole bunch of holes in their eyebrows, and their nose, and their lip, and their belly button, and all this stuff. And if you're somebody that has all those holes, that's fine, whatever. I don't know that I, I, I have much of a position on that other than as it applies to my daughter. And I told her, I said, you don't want all those holes in your body because... Some people, rightly or wrongly, will make judgments about you, and it'll be harder for you to get certain jobs or get into certain circles of people because they're going to be like, you know what? I've run into a lot of people that aren't serious about life who have a lot of holes in their body. doesn't mean that people who have a lot of holes in their body aren't serious about life, but there are, there are enough of them that you – is this a serious person? And you want to be taken seriously as a young woman when you're an adult in the world. So – and it was a battle for years. She never did. And she's, she's, you know, all but swore. She didn't really swear, but she all but promised me that when I'm old enough and I'm on my own, I'm going to get. Here she is all these years. She's never did. So she's, I don't know if she agrees with me per se, but she decided she didn't want it anymore. And I think it's been to her betterment. And people that want to get tattoos and stuff, same thing. Get the tattoos, whatever. I mean, that could be a subject for a show mm -hmm. probably because there are some religious uh, biblical arguments maybe on that. But I, I would advise people get the neck tats and stuff. Like they go all the way up to their ears on their necks and stuff. Like you can't hide them. And right or wrong, there are people who will not treat that person the same as if they didn't have those tattoos. Why would you want to make life harder for yourself? Because we all are profiling at some level, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's going to be the last word. I don't usually take the last word, but I'm taking the last word today. On next week's show... Uh, we're going to talk about vaccines. We're, we're aiming to get canceled by the cancel culture one way or the other. 
Uh, but the, the specific question is: Should Christians uh, volunteer to be injected by shots that were developed using aborted babies? That's the more specific uh, question we'll be talking about there. So that's on next week's uh, Faith Debate show. I'm Troy Skinner. This is the Faith Debate on 9:30 WFMD online at wfmd.com. My church, Household of Faith in Christ, is also online at householdoffaithinchrist.com. Daniel Razvi, Imran Razvi, they have a church in the north end of Frederick County. They have a ministry. You can check them out at conqueredbylove.org. And uh, one of these days, we're going to have to get uh, David Forsey a, uh, a website. Or dial a phone, at least. <laughs> Got <laughs> to get you something. So we have something to promote for you. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to promote for you. I'll start putting your cell phone out there. I don't know. Something. So oh, people man. can. Now, if you want to reach David. You give me a holler, or you know, uh, my my cell phone is actually on our website, so you can you can give me a, shoot me a text or call me or shoot me an email, whatever, and I'll connect you with any of these guys if you want. Anyway, till next week. Thanks so much for spending part of your Sunday with us. Um, One hundred sixty-seven and a half hours from right about now, and so we'll start up again. Till then, God bless. Right, I got a split. Okay, are you guys able to hang out or you got a split too? It's late for us. I mean, I usually do family worship at, at I mean, we already push it to 10. I usually do it at 9 with my kids, so. Okay, well, we can hold this over till. Uh, we just got to start on the time. topic. Till the, <laughs> till the next time we'll start on time. We'll start with the uh, vaccines kind of question and then we'll yeah. we'll get into the, uh, the other topic. I was going to get into the. Uh, uh, the books, I, I went on your website and, and looked at all the different titles, and I tried to categorize them based on uh, what seemed to me to be logical groupings. And so I was thinking that we could do uh, marriage. You have, like, marriage relationship books. Uh, the ones I noticed were heart transplant, is your marriage hitting bad cell areas, uh, workbook for is your marriage hitting bad cell areas. Like, those were marriage, so marriage relationship uh, then you had a string of parenting books, so I think we could tackle that. And I don't have the other ones. What are we going to do? Right here. Uh, yeah, Getting uh, to Your Child's Heart. You had a series of books that seemed to connect with that. Uh, introduction to Adoption. You had a series of books about that. And then some books that weren't about an introduction to adoption. They were just maybe how to live out a life in an adoptive situation. So that's what I was thinking the, the, the subject areas would be. That should be a real sweet spot for you guys. Yeah, actually, my, maybe my wife should come in the next time and record that. Okay. <laughs> and then you uh, uh, haven't written those books, but, you know, a homeschool family, very, very intimately involved in how I to raise I have kids. a lot more opinions about families. You're going to have a lot of opinions on that. So <laughs> I think those will be... Those will be good. I had planned to do five, but if we're going to do the vaccines thing, we might only do four of those. But I was going to... Uh, roll over into more of your categories of books, maybe the next recording session anyway. So it'll all, I think, yeah, work I should itself actually out. get you guys a couple copies so you can see kind of what we're talking about. Okay, yeah, that'd be cool. Before then, so if I can that'd get them cool. to you. All right, I'm going to say goodbye to Facebook. Thanks so much for watching along if you're still on or if you're watching this later. God bless.